You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, hello there. Welcome into Crunch Time here on a Thursday. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We talked yesterday for the first time in seven months. Tiger Woods is back on a golf course today, taking part in the Genesis Invitational. And he is currently on the course. He is even par through five so far at Riviera Country Club in Palisades, California. We will follow the rest of his round one throughout today's show today, keep you updated as he progresses through the course. My main man and co-host of Crunch Time is Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon. Happy Thursday to you. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. How about you, bud? I'm glad. There you go. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep up the doing of good. Will do. All right, moving on. Um, So we have a lot to get to today. Reason being, we have even more to get to today than we were planning on because LSU baseball has knocked out our show for tomorrow. LSU baseball has been moved up from 630 to 3 p.m. due to the, quote, extreme cold weather conditions that we are supposed to be seeing in Acadiana and southwest Louisiana this weekend. So they're moving up to keep players and fans out of that cold weather as much as possible. Uh, So first pitch will begin at 3 p.m. tomorrow at Alex Box Stadium, which means pregame begins at 2.30, which means you'll hear 30 minutes of Jordy Holtberg from 2 to 2.30. And then we'll turn it over to Chris Blair for the first baseball call of the 2023 season as the unanimous number one team in the country. The LSU Tigers look to kick off their 2023 season on a high note by taking on the Broncos of Western Michigan. And your boy right here will be in Alex Box Stadium tomorrow covering the game on our website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And I'm very excited because, James, I have to tell you, this will be the first time that I have ever, for any reason, stepped foot in Alex Box Stadium. Well, I haven't stepped in it either. I've never been. For years, I've tried to go to the LSU versus UL baseball games, but they're always on a weeknight. And yeah, it's cool. I, just, <laughs> I have school and other things, and you just never make it to Baton Rouge on a weeknight. It's just hard. Um, so I have never once been to Alex Box Stadium. So, looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Um, Update on Tiger. He is even through seven now. Uh, We talked yesterday extensively about the New Orleans Pelicans. It's going to be one of our top stories today as they could not go into the All-Star break on a high note as they fell to the Los Angeles Lakers 120 to 102 in that one. And... 
you know, it was a game where the the Pelicans kept it close much of the game, close-ish, depending on your definition of close. And in the end, they just kind of got away from him. You really couldn't control Anthony Davis during this game. 28 points on 13 of 17 shooting. He had 10 rebounds and 5 assists as well. Two blocks on the night as well. Uh, LeBron and D'Angelo Russell both scoring 21. I told you, D'Angelo Russell would have a good night against the Pelicans. Uh, 21 points, 7 assists for the new Lakers point guard, Malik Beasley with 8, Dennis Schroeder with 10. And then when you look at the Pelicans, you had 25 from B.I. Surprise, surprise. You had 22 from C.J. McCollum. And then that was really about it. You had 12 from Jonas, 11 from Herb, 14 off the bench from Willie Hernan Gomez. Willie and Jonas both had double-doubles. But you and I depended a lot upon one Mr. Trey Murphy. And he had a rough night. (laughs) Rough's an understatement. 0 of 6 from the field. 0 of 4 from downtown. Trey, I needed you to make one three, bud. One. That's it. I ended up not making that parlay, by the way. Oh, my God. Because I also had LeBron to have at least one three. He went 0 for 5. Yeah, he didn't even score 25 points. So it's a good thing I didn't make that parlay. Did you make yours? I did. You did? I did. I backed out. I didn't. I mean, feel, granted, I didn't feel great. Granted, I didn't put a lot on it because that's kind of my philosophy. I don't put a lot of money on my bets. Um, just because I don't have a lot of money to lose. But that's neither here or there. So, but but again, you know, you look at it, and LeBron had an off night from the field. Trey Murphy was terrible. Uh, 0 for 6, 0 for 4 from downtown once again, both of his points coming from the free throw line. It was a game where the Pelicans only shot 28% from downtown and your newest Pelican, Josh Richardson, was tossed. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Ejected. He only played 19 minutes in the contest he got his second technical foul of the game and and was ejected in the third quarter. Now the Pelicans will go into the All-Star break at 30 and 29, 10 and 19 away from home while the Lakers will head into the All-Star break at 27 and 32 with an even 14 and 14 inside crypto.com arena. I read a statistic yesterday about the Los Angeles Lakers. And obviously now you have to factor in the fact that they beat the Pels. There's 23 games left for the Lakers, James. In those final 23 games, the Lakers have to go 15-8 and to make the play-in. Not make the top six. To make the play-in. To keep their season alive, they have to go 15-8. and over the final 23. Could you imagine having the star power that the Lakers have and yet being backed into that statistic? You're so bad and so dysfunctional that you have to win. My math's not great here, but I'm that's 60% of your games. 
the rest of the way. What happens if LeBron or AD get hurt? What do you do then? Come on, LeBron, I mean, AD getting hurt, that's not the script. Ha! <laughs> sure it isn't. That's in everybody's script every day of the year. Oh, Street Clothes. There's a reason he is nicknamed Street Clothes Davis. And LeBrick and LeBum and whatever else you want to call LeBron. I mean, 15 and 8, that sounds very feasible. But for a franchise that's 27 and 32 with a pair of all-stars on their team and a, a guy that people refer to as the greatest of all time, just saying, a little, little interesting. Your poll question of the day, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are in Clearwater, Florida. They got a win today over Indiana 4 to nothing. Well, to be fair, looking at the rest of their schedule, they played the Suns twice and the Clippers once. So the four and five seed in the West currently. Every other team they play, except for the Grizzlies one time, twice, I'm sorry. Um, so those five teams, you don't feel great about those, but it still should be close in those games. Every other game seems pretty winnable. It's against seven, eight, nine, and below seeds. It's a lot of those games. So they seem pretty winnable. So 15-8 and eight in my eyes to begin and currently doesn't feel like the most out-of-pocket in my eyes. You have to go 15-8 and eight to get the 10 seed. Yes. I think, I think say look, those, looking, say those five, looking at those final 23, that seems pretty doable right now. Say those five games against the Grizzlies, Suns, and who was the other team you mentioned? Played the, the Suns twice, the Grizzlies twice. The Grizzlies twice. And... The Clippers on April 5th. The Clippers. Okay. Say you lose those five games. Mm-hmm. In those other 18, you have to go 15 and 3. James, I don't think that's doable. I, th- I think they could win one or two of those of those <sighs> tough matchups between Grizzlies, Suns, and Clippers. I don't know. But then here's the thing. You spend so much energy and so much effort getting yourself into the play-in tournament. Are you going to have the gas to get out of the play-in tournament? Maybe not. They might shock people and get into the eight seed, but then you got to face Denver. Yeah, good Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Your poll question of the day, you're talking Cajun softball in the Tax Act Invitational. They got a win today over Indiana, four to nothing. How many wins will they get in the entire tournament so far on Twitter? 53% say 2 to 3, 33% say 4 to 5, and then there's a tie at 6.9% between 0 to 1 and all six of them. Look, I love the confidence of the people that voted all six of them. But you were playing some of the best of the best in college softball. Oklahoma State was in the Women's College World Series last year. UCLA has won a pair of national championships in the last five years. Florida State, another top program. Arkansas is projected to go to the World Series this year. If you can beat Indiana, which you did, you beat Michigan tomorrow, and then you fight like hell to maybe pick up one win in those last four, 
I think you were sitting on a pile of gold coming back to Lafayette, Louisiana. In, ter- in terms of RPI, just playing those top teams is going to do wonders for you. So take care of business tomorrow. Start out 2-0 in the tournament. And then, again, compete. And maybe maybe you squeeze out a win or two in those final four. And if you can, man, if you can finish that trip four and two, oh, man, the, the Sun Belt better, better look out. So on today's show, the voice of the LSU Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair, will join us at 4.30. We'll preview LSU's game tomorrow with Western Michigan. Talk about Paul Skeens on the mound. Potential batting order you could see how things are going to shake out defensively for for LSU. We're also going to be joined by Jake Crane. Since we don't have a show tomorrow, we'll do Jake's takes a day early. We'll get his thoughts on the Super Bowl, NBA All-Star Weekend, and the top stories in sports. And then Ross Jackson will join us right after that at 520 because Alvin Kamara was indicted today. What does that mean for his 2023 season? What's the latest on the Derek Carr scenario? Who could the Saints get at quarterback if they don't get Derek Carr and much more once again on the game hotline 337-706-0111 and here in Acadiana you can watch us on the simulcast stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber we appreciate you tuning in on this rainy Thursday we'll take a time out and be back right after this this is crunch time on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the Game Charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by courtesy of Bro Bridge. Hit the links at Farm Alley while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament, going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with staff at the game and courtesy Bro Bridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So, James Mesh. You know, people are sad that the NFL's passed and football's over. The XFL starts this weekend. So your football woes only have to last for six days. Season kicks off on Saturday. It's going to be great, great football with some of the very best to ever play the game being involved. We hope. Wow. (laughs) This man's not excited about the XFL. Look, I'm... Look, football's football to me. Obviously, he is not excited about his Battle Hawks. There's definitely levels to it. No, 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 no. No. I'm just not saying it's not going to be, in my eyes, NFL standard football. Well, you know what, James? Not everything has to be NFL level. Not everything can be. And I'm totally okay with that. Oh, hot take. Hot take. Hot take alert. This guy. So, 
the the thing that I'm interested to see with the XFL. Who did you pick? I forget who who didn't you choose like the Houston Roughnecks? I'm either gonna go Roughnecks or Renegades. Okay. One, of, one of the two, one of those Houston teams. One, one of the one of the Texas one of those teams. Texas teams. Um, the thing that I'm interested to see is the XFL is a great opportunity for guys to prove that they could earn a shot mm-hmm. at the NFL. So I'm I'm interested to see who steps up, uh, especially in the first couple of weeks because you know training camps are going to start for the NFL and their teams are going to get ready to draft and, and things like that. So which guys can kind of jump out early and send a message to NFL teams like, hey man, I'm I'm here, I, I could come play for pretty cheap. Like, give me a shot. Definitely interested to see if anybody steps up. And you know one guy that I'm really looking at is Abram Smith. Was a guy that the Saints had signed to an undrafted free agent contract, guaranteed him three hundred something thousand dollars. Didn't even make the team. Didn't make the team, and now he's in the XFL, working to get on somebody's radar. Does he pop off and have a hundred plus yard game week one? Does he follow it up with another hundred yard game? You know, things. I'm interested to see guys like that and, and see if maybe they can find their way back into an NFL locker room because look, PJ Walker played in the XFL the first time. He hasn't left the NFL since. Granted, he's a backup. I was going to say he's been second, third string. Still in the NFL. Yep. Still hanging around. And Jordan Tayamu's been off and on of mm-hmm. squads. He was the he was the St. Louis Battlehawks quarterback. Mm-hmm. There was the I think there was the wide receiver. I forget his name. He was with the Roughnecks with PJ Walker. They had a pretty good connection. I think he had got a shot, but he didn't end up on our roster there were a few players that end up being on nfl squads and they some of them are there some of them have moved on so it's like there are some diamonds in the rough but to say necessarily they would make a huge impact on an nfl team it's not that likely you know what else i'm excited about what are you excited jim about? Hazlitt is back in coaching <laughs> we remember how awesome jim Hazlitt was with the new orleans saints that was a great time wasn't it we, we, we want to relive those memories, don't we? <laughs> That's a good one. That might be my joke of the day. Jim Hazlitt's going to be coaching the Seattle Sea Dragons. Uh, former NFL legend Wade Phillips is going to be coaching the Roughnecks. And Heinz Ward is going to be the head coach for the San Antonio Brahmas. Brahmas. Owned by The Rock. See the connection there? The Brahma Bull. Shame, shame. But no, so in all seriousness, though, I really am excited about the XFL. Uh, football's any type of football is fun. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of that, if it can stick around longer than a year. <gasps> they have money lines. They have money lines on the XFL. They have spreads. Ooh. They also have over-unders. <laughs> it's funny because the over-unders are relatively uh, low. Low. <laughs> yeah. I-, I figured they probably would be. Uh, the Guardians and the Roughnecks one. are... 35 and a half. Like Ooh. we're talking we're talking low to mid 30s with a lot of these over/unders. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So getting getting away from the XFL just a little bit and just kind of looking at some more top stories in sports. We talked about Alvin Kamara getting indicted today by a grand jury. He and the other three men involved in that Vegas nightclub incident 
James, we we kind of we've kind of gone through this song and dance already, right? He's he's gone to trial. It's gotten pushed back. It's gotten pushed back. Now the, he's being and the in, main reason it was getting pushed back was because it was in the middle of the season. And now he's being indicted a second time. And so now it's just kind of or at least I think it's the second time. I remember him being I thought I remember him being indicted the first time. So now it's kind of you know the the trial scheduled to take place in April. So now it's kind of looking to see where things go from here and if there's enough grounds for the NFL to step in and issue a punishment in in this whole scenario and if so how long you know does does the NFL kind of because of how long it's been does the NFL maybe have a little bit of leniency and say four games do they or maybe they still kind of stand strong and say five or six or like, or do they maybe take it too far like they tend to do with the New Orleans Saints and say 10 or just kind of how it was with Marshawn Lattimore and just nothing happens I mean that would that would be ideal be very ideal that would for, be for that would, the Saints that would is what Ray would say as optimal uh, the the judge has set the court date for March second, not April second, March second. So, about two and two and a half weeks from now, coming up. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, again, w- what's going to be the the way that the NFL runs with this? Because it, my thought process is, with how long it's been, and how many times that this whole situation has been delayed. I think that you might not have as much leverage anymore unless he's convicted guilty. Because obviously you're you're looking to punish him just for being involved. The punishment's going to be worse if there's actual conviction and criminal punishment involved. Um, so it just kind of depends on how the court case plays out, of course. But if, in, in, in the eyes of the law, if Kamara kind of walks away scot-free... I don't think the NFL has much leverage other than maybe a four-game slap on the wrist in, in in this scenario. Or, like you said, what happened with Marshawn Lattimore, absolutely nothing. So, interested to see what they do there. We'll get Ross Jackson's thoughts on it a little bit later on in the show. But earlier this week with the Super Bowl, one of the big storylines was how slippery the field was. Players were complaining that it was slippery all over the place and they couldn't get their grip it was the worst field they had ever played on you know yada 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 the kickers kicking off a couple times it slipped themselves wide receivers slipped a couple times correct so the turf was grown at oklahoma state university and they have thrown the nfl under the bus for the condition of the field. A quote from Oklahoma State says, while OSU scientists developed and patent Tahoma 31, they had no role in creating or preparing the field for Super Bowl 57. Tahoma 31 was used for the base layer, but the field was also seeded with a top layer of ryegrass, which has slick leaf surfaces when damp. That and other factors may have contributed to traction issues during play. So Oklahoma State saying that they just provided the base layer. The NFL added 
extra layers which created the the slick the slick playing surface. Interesting. My question though is when when did they when did they establish this turf in for Arizona? Um, this wasn't the whole season for them, no. No, no. This was this was a brand new turf strictly for the Super Bowl. It's like why would you do an experiment during the biggest game? Why would you do an experimental turf grass? Well, so but here's the thing. Oklahoma State's the, the turf that Oklahoma State provided to the NFL yeah. was not experimental. They've done this before. The field that they that Oklahoma State uses in their stadium uh-huh. is grown the by thing. Oklahoma State researchers. So like this is something that they've done time and time again. So that's why they're like, look, it wasn't us. We've done this before. And we've never had this issue. Maybe you should look into what you put on the field after we gave it to you. It's still, it's still an interesting choice to me. It is. It is. You you completely switch out what Arizona already had, and then you bring in something that Oklahoma State uses, and then you make your own tweaks. It's like, why would you do that for the Super Bowl? But then well, what's interesting is... When speaking to somebody related to the situation, they said that the NFL spent three quarters of a million dollars on this turf. And a, a quote from the gentleman involved says, in the first 27 Super Bowls, they didn't spend $1,000 on the field for a game. This one was seven hundred and fifty grand. Why? What's wrong with the turf that Arizona was using? Just paint it. That, why would you go above and beyond to get this new special turf that you didn't have to do? That's my issue. Is I never really heard anything out of the ordinary with Arizona's turf situation. So... I don't get, to me it's a stupid reason as to you bringing in someone else's turf and then you make your own adjustments to it during the biggest game of your season and and you put it in. We heard things about Los, the Los Angeles one. We've heard about their turf. There's a little spot near midfield when Odell tore his mm-hmm. ACL out of nowhere. That was about the spot. We know about Washington. We know about yep. a couple of their spots. It's like there are other stadiums, but we haven't heard anything about Arizona's. So to me, it's a dumb for you to go out of your go out of your way to go bring in a new turf that co- a college stadium uses and putting it in, making your own adjustments for the biggest game of the year. Hassan Reddick said it was the worst field that he's ever played on, and 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 you spent seven hundred k. Correct. And the NFL says that they chose this field because they thought it was the best grass available. According to Nick Pappas, the, NFL, the NFL's field surface director, we believe this is one of the strongest varieties of hybrid Bermuda grass you can find. Which very well may be the case. But tell me what was wrong with Arizona's turf. Again, just paint it. It's not that difficult. We'll take a time out. The voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, joins us next. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 437 here on your Thursday edition of Crunch Time here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. While we look at some more top stories in sports, Hall of Fame analyst and World Series champion Tim McCarver has died at the age of 81. He has been a analyst icon as well as a two-time World Series champion with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Also looking at some other top stories, the Cleveland Cavaliers are currently discussing a buyout with Kevin Love. Could Kevin Love's career with the Cleveland Cavaliers be over? What's next for him? I don't know. We'll find out. The Pels could use a shooter. Might not be a bad idea. Let's go to the game hotline now. Let's talk some LSU Tigers baseball with the voice of the Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Headed into a big weekend. Exciting time of the year and uh, really an exciting weekend on campus. Really uh, started on Thursday. It's going to continue all the way in through, uh, you know, with women's basketball, LSU gymnastics, LSU softball, of course, LSU baseball, men's basketball on Saturday. It's going to be a busy weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crossover season, right? There, There's nothing better than when five different sports are playing at home at the same time. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it makes for a busy weekend. But, uh, I mean, if you're going to complain about having a job where you get to, you know, hang out and watch some of the best student athletes in, in their respective sports, then, you know, you're probably in, in, in the wrong vocation. But uh, it's going to be a busy weekend, but an exciting weekend. And guarantee you, it's going to go by fast. So let's look at this LSU Tigers baseball team, the unanimous number one in the country. Tons of expectations. Dylan Cruz projected to be the top overall selection in the MLB draft. Uh, Trey Morgan returns after a big year last year. Basically, the the expectation, at least from fans, has been it's Omaha or bust. What are, what are your thoughts on the expectations this year for this group? Well, you know, since I arrived here in 2015 and started in the 2016 season, I learned real quick that you know, every single season destination is Omaha, but you are correct. I think just the the hype and really the talent, deservedly so, um, since back to August and, and maybe the start of fall ball. It's just been building and building and building, and certainly the expectations are that this is going to be, from top to bottom, one of the most talented rosters uh, in college baseball, certainly one of the most talented rosters in LSU baseball history. Now, that's all on paper. And, you know, you got to go out and win games. But it's one of the things I like about working with Coach Jay Johnson is he is relentless. He never stops working. He's Since the day he arrived on campus, his sole purpose is is to get LSU back to the top of college baseball. And and now you're starting to see all of that work, all of the the foundation that was set last year, um, you know, starting to come to fruition. Now you just got to go out, play ball, win some games, and you can only do one at a time, and it will start with Western Michigan on Friday. You know, looking at the group that returns from last year, Dylan Cruz, Jordan Thompson, Braden Jobert, Josh Pearson, Trey Morgan. I mean, I could go on. Josh Stevenson, Hayden Travinsky. There's a ton of talent that returned from last year with some 
new talent sprinkled in and even some guys that were on the roster last year but just could not find the field. And then you also brought in Tommy White, who put up the best freshman season that I think anyone has ever seen. You know, how hard has it been for Jay Johnson to find somewhere to put all these guys? I think that's a good problem to have, but, you know, I think that is the challenge this year is how do you manage this roster? Because the guys you mentioned who are returning, you know, maybe, and I, I don't want to step out on a limb here, but I think maybe Dylan Cruz and, and Trey Morgan may be the, the only two that you felt like had solidified their starting position uh, at center field and first base, respectively. So, uh, you know, that means that all of those guys who returned from a year ago who I thought all the names you mentioned really had strong seasons, certainly on the back half of the year, you know, there's some competition. And as we've heard before, steel sharpens steel. Uh, so you bring in some talented freshmen, you bring in some really highly touted transfers, and suddenly everybody's having to play at, at the top of their game. And that can only make the team, you know, that much stronger. So it'll be interesting to see this weekend, you know, how the roster is handled, how the field is handled, obviously how the lineup is constructed by, by Coach Jay Johnson. But, you know, they've been working on it and thinking it over for a long time. Uh, they've had plenty of opportunity to see all of these guys. Now it, now you put them out there see how they handle it under the light. Looking at the pitching rotation for this weekend, Jay Johnson announced it earlier today. Paul Skeens is going to go tomorrow afternoon, the, the 6'6", two-weight guy. And then Saturday you're going to ter- give the ball to Riley Cooper. And then Sunday you're giving it to the 6'8", freshman Chase Shores. Uh, talk about this pitching rotation and what stands out about these guys. Well, I think, first of all, Skeens, you know, he was announced uh, several weeks ago that he would be the Friday night starter. And, you know, he's, his numbers back it up. Uh, so I think, you know, everybody's awfully excited to see him go out on the mound in the purple and gold. We had a chance to see him when he did play for Air Force. Um, but, you know, that was some time ago. He's had some development. Uh, they talked about the job that Wes Johnson, pitching staff, pitching coach for LSU, has done with all. Uh, of the staff coming into the season, and I think even Skeens, as talented as he is, probably benefited benefited from that as well. I think the the one thing that probably surprised a few people was Riley Cooper being stuck there in the middle uh, of the weekend rotation as a starter, um, and that to me is going to be interesting because you know over the years you've seen guys who have kind of found their role uh, in a given year, whether it be the back half closer, whether it be the middle reliever, whether it be a you know a stretch guy or a bridge guy. And that was kind of where Riley was last year. We could see him come in middle innings. We could come see him come in early innings. And we could see him on the back end of games. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's going to be handed the baseball to get a start on Saturday. So I think that's the most interesting and probably took many people by surprise. Um, and so of the two of the three pitchers, we know a little bit about Riley. We'll see how he handles it in a starting role. But the starters for Friday and Sunday, uh, it's going to be exciting to see what they can do on the mound. Who are some guys from from an offensive perspective? I mean, we talked earlier about Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, you know, all those names that that stand out from a year ago. Who are some players that maybe fans aren't thinking about as players that could really make an impact for this team this year? Well, I think a lot of people are thinking about Cade Beloso, whose story is as LSU purple and gold as as you will ever find, Um, you know, to be honest with you. And the fact that he may be in a DH role, we'll wait and see. Uh, I think he can, you know, provide, again, protection for the guys you just mentioned. You know, it's not as if teams now can come in and go, okay, we're just going to avoid Dylan Cruz. My guess is they're going to stack that lineup in such a way that you're going to have to pitch to it. 
or otherwise you're going to have to face Tommy Tanks, who, as you said, had 27 home runs last year. Um, you know, so I think Cade can be a factor in that lineup. Obviously, Trey Morgan is, as I called him, a, a Jedi Knight with the bat. I mean, he's just a hard out, um, and you know, finds his way into to, to two, two strike hitting better than anybody uh, in the country. But you know, I don't know that there's a ton of surprises. Um, you know, we'll see. I don't think with the depth LSU has on the offensive side and what they can put in that lineup that we'll see schemes hit a lot this year. But who knows? Jay's kind of hinted at it. Um, so we'll see if, if what he does when he gets to the plate. I think he batted three fifteen a year ago uh, in his plate appearances at Air Force. But I think it's a, it's a top to bottom. You know, if you remember last year, the, the lineup was very, very top-heavy. And, and then you really had to just, you know, fight for anything you could get at the bottom of the order. That's a completely different animal in 2023 because I think top to bottom um, – you're going to have guys who can can make you pay and get guys on base. The the, the 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 thing to do in baseball is get them on, get them over, and get them in. And this lineup that Jay has, not only the the eight he'll put in there, the nine he'll put in there, he's got guys he can call upon off the bench uh, in a pinch hitting role in a tight situation that also have plenty of experience and know how to wield a bat. Chatting with the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, here on Crunch Time. Looking at their opponent this weekend, the Broncos of Western Michigan, 18-36 and 36 a year ago, 15-24 uh, and 24 in their conference, 9-24 and 24 away from Kalamazoo. Uh, what, what's the, the word on Western Michigan this year? You know, have they Im- improved roster-wise? What, what can fans expect from the Broncos? You know, talking to the staff at LSU, they think they got a chance, uh, that is Western Michigan, of being slightly better than a year ago. But you're talking about a team in that part of the country that, you know, struggles to get practice in just based on the weather and based on where they're located. So I'm sure even though we're expecting it to be a little cooler or cold, if you will, here in Baton Rouge over the weekend, probably going to be mild uh, to the Broncos coming down here. But as you said, you know, they play in a conference where they play the four-game series and doubleheaders on Saturday. Um, and as you said, their record was not super impressive a year ago. Um, they're going to be fired up to come in here. They're going to be fired up, as I said, to have the weather a little bit warmer, maybe a little less ice and snow, and they're coming in to take on number one in the country. And if that doesn't motivate you as a competitor, then you shouldn't be playing baseball at any school. Um, so LSU's got to be ready. Take it one game at a time, and I'm sure Jay Johnson, if, if he hasn't already, he will soon be telling his team just that before first pitch 3 o'clock on Friday. What are, what are the keys to victory for LSU this weekend, other than, like you just mentioned, just kind of taking it one game at a time and staying focused? Well, I think the key, not necessarily for victory, I think the key is to see, are your starters capable of going some distance? Because, again, that was the, the key last year that LSU did not have. Uh, there really wasn't anybody in the, in the staff that could go out there and give you a solid 8-9 innings. It was more like, hope for four to five, and then turn it over to the bullpen. So I think a lot of fans, and myself included, are going to see you know the three starters that have been listed. Again, we know a lot about their numbers. We haven't seen them with our own eyes, uh, you know, at the box, lights on, and, you know, it, it's the real deal. So I think that'll be key to just see how well these starting pitchers are able to go, manage their pitch count, um, take care of their arms, and and that to me will be you know a good telltale sign because you got to have that when you get to conference play, and then offensively, are is this team going to be as good as advertised? And I think they'll have a chance this weekend 
um, you know, may not see the pitching they're going to see. Obviously, you know, when the uh, calendar flips to, to mid late March and, and on through April and May, but are they going to be able to go out here and command the plate, uh, put the ball in play and drive in runs? And, you know, I think if they do that, uh, there's not much Western Michigan is going to be able to do to, to stop them from winning. The voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, joining us here on Crunch Time. Chris, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the calls this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Great for, uh, to be uh, joined with you again. Hope to do it again real soon and invite everybody out to the box. Let's have a great weekend with LSU baseball. Chris, appreciate you. Thank you. And there he goes, the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair. We'll take a timeout. Wrap up today's show right after this. Sorry, not wrap up today's show. Wrap up our number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's been a week, man. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads. This Mardi Gras score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the Game Mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Keep that votes coming for the poll question of the day. How many games do you think the Cajun softball team is going to win in the Tax at Clearwater Invitational? You think they're only going to win one game or not at all? You think they could win two, three, maybe four to five? Or are you going out there and thinking they can win all six? Majority of the votes are looking towards two, three, with 53% going there. About 33% are going towards four to five. And then there's 7% going to either none or one. We're just winning all six of them, Matt. Again, like I said earlier, you won one today. Take care of Michigan tomorrow. Win one of the final four. And I think you're riding off into the sunset. If you can if you can get a split against this competition, you're you're golden. Um so obviously the, the goal is is to win all six. But if you're going to be realistic, it's you just got to take it one game at a time and compete. You don't want to get blown out by these teams, but I don't think winning is is the end all be all goal here. If you're if you're Gary Glass, Jerry Glasgow and the Cajuns, yeah. And then looking at the uh, Genesis Open Invitational yeah. right now, Homa's leading the way at seven, seven under. John Rahm's got six under, got Hodge and a bunch of others at four under. Rory McIlroy's all all the way at a uh, one under, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's one under, tied for forty first. Tigers there as well. Uh, Justin Thomas is at two under, um, and Rory actually just missed a birdie putt. Um, you know, again, we, we talked about Tiger yesterday, and I, I love the confidence factor that he's got of. You know, I wouldn't be competing if I didn't think I could win. That's great. It's a great mentality to have. However, you haven't finished a golf tournament in a while since 
you got in your accident. I was going to say, I don't... You haven't played four rounds of golf since you got in your accident. So the the idea, if you're Tiger, is make the cut. Make the cut and then go from there. Correct. That should be your main focus. Not trying to win the whole thing. Just one, make the cut, get to the next day. One step at a time. Get through because today. Because you're at this point in your career where you can't just be like, well, I'm just going to win the whole thing. Get through today. I like the mindset. Play well tomorrow. Avoid missing the cut. Because right now, the way things are going, your leader's at seven over, seven under. The cut's probably going to be three over, would be my guess. So stay better than three over. Get through the weekend. That's a step in the right direction. Then from there, then you can start talking about maybe winning a tournament. Or, or two, or, or three, because who doesn't want to see Tiger win? So, it, again, it, it's one of those, Rome wasn't built in a day, there's steps to this. Take it one step at a time and get things done. Shoffley's tied for 18th with a bunch of people at two under, and then, where was the other one? Justin Thomas is at one under currently. Scotty Scheffler is also at one under as well, yeah. so... Scotty, Scotty had a good weekend last week winning the winning the Waste Management Phoenix Open for the second straight year. So, uh, Colin Morikawa also at two under. I don't, I don't think he would be too mad if uh, he didn't play well over here in Riviera. But hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off with our guy Jake Crane. Jake's takes on a Thursday here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, the last hour of the week for Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 if you have LUS Fiber in hour number one. We recap the Pelicans. We're keeping up with Tiger Woods in the Genesis Invitational. And we previewed the top-ranked LSU Tigers as they open their season tomorrow against Western Michigan. First pitch set for 3 o'clock. Pre-game at 2.30, which is why there will be no crunch time tomorrow. So, since there's no crunch time on a Friday, we're doing a Friday fun show a day early, which means Jake Crane joins us for Jake's Takes here on the hotline. Jake, what's going on, bud? Happy Thursday. How are you? Man, happy Thursday. Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure to join you guys whenever it is. So, let, let's backtrack to Sunday. Let's go to Super Bowl 57. The Kansas City Chiefs taking down Philadelphia 38-35. to You know, the, the storyline of this game even still is the two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts, both putting on absolute master classes. Patrick Mahomes, other than his passing yards, he, he had a great game. Uh, what were your thoughts on the play of the two quarterbacks as well as the Super Bowl overall? Well, you know, it was a close game. Uh, it was a good game. I wasn't in love with the call at the end just because they were letting them play the whole game. All, all I asked for is consistency in any sport. When it comes down to officiating, 
when you look at both the quarterbacks, uh, I mean, the thing about Kansas City is they basically scored 14 points on defense and special teams, which kept them in the game. They, they had to have something like that. And you mix that with Patrick uh, Mahomes' witch ability, they were able to find a way, and that's what they've done in Kansas City. Uh, and you can make the argument that this is the worst skill position group that they've had in Kansas City in a while, and they're still able to win a Super Bowl. So uh, you hate it for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, who, you know, coaching staff has been absolutely rated. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, but the Chiefs, man, it's an unbelievable story, and I don't think they're done. You know, looking at Philly, you talked about their their coaching staff getting raided. Where do you think they turn to maybe fill up some of those uh, some of those coaching spots? Well, I already told them no, so they're going to have to go elsewhere. Uh, look, it, it's a it's a very even with the departures that the Eagles are going to have on offense on the offensive line. You look at some guys that are getting up there: Jason Kelsey, you know, Lane Johnson, two integral pieces uh, of that front group that they've had that was so dominant. But you got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. you got a good set of backs. We know Jalen Hurts is, is a known, proven commodity now. He's seen everything. Uh, somebody will want that. As long as you have really good players, you got a chance to win. And the Eagles do have done a really good job of building depth on that roster, uh, and I don't see them slowing down. So, you know, looking at free agency in the NFL, obviously, you know, we, we talk about the New Orleans Saints quite a bit on here. Um, they need a quarterback, Jake. And... You know, there, there's one guy that is available and seems interested in the New Orleans Saints in Derek Carr. Would you say that's the best option for the Saints right now? Well, look, it, here's the question. Do you want Derek Carr and to make the playoffs but never win it? Or would you rather try and make a move, go get some, you know, do something to try and maybe get somebody in the draft uh, or try and, and rebuild it? it? It's a hard question to answer because, you do have, you know, will my, Michael Thomas be healthy at some point? I, you can't bet on that anymore. Alvin Kamara was kind of a, a one-man show. You had a little bit of Taysom Hill, but that can only take you so far. Look, I like Shahid. Alave's a nice piece. But I don't think the Saints have enough with Derek Carr to win a Super Bowl. So, do you want to be in that realm of just making the playoffs and not winning it? Or do you want to try and go build this thing into a team that can actually go win it? I think they're going to go with Derek Carr. So, from from where you stand, is that the best move for the Saints, or would you rather see them draft somebody? Well, here's the, you're Dennis Allen. You got to win, so you got to you almost got to get somebody that's proven. You can't risk it, like you just can't. It's too big of a risk to take a rookie quarterback in the NFL, regardless of prospects, and expect to be able to compete for it. So, I think your decision's almost made. But yeah, I mean, if you want to win more now, then yes, it's a good decision. Uh, I just don't know if it's the best decision for the long term. Lamar Jackson, does he return to Baltimore? I think he does. Well, I, I think he does. I'm just shocked that the Ravens are being so stubborn. Like, without Lamar Jackson, you have what? Mark Andrews going to win it for y'all? Like, Mark Andrews is a great tight end. You got nothing on the outside. You got rid of Hollywood Brown. So, if I'm Lamar, yeah, pay me or put pieces around me. I know they got rid, rid of Greg Roman. They got Todd Munkin, who's a little more diverse in what he does, a little bit of a different look. But they need pieces around them or it's not going to matter. So uh, I love the addition of Roquan Smith. That's great. But even with the, the freak that Lamar Jackson is, they need more pieces. And then the, the, the nutcase that is Aaron Rodgers sitting in his darkness retreat. How do you think yeah, that man. is? Where does, where does he play next year? Oh, like how the darkness retreat is? Or where is he going to play? I mean, I think he's just right now just sitting in the dark like a, on some ayahuasca just ready to quit, uh, kick the uh, giant eagle in the groin. Uh, but as far as where he's going to play, 
like my gut tells me he's going back to Green Bay. But that's that's not fun to talk about. So let's say the Jets. I'll tell you what. I'll laugh if the Jets get Tannehill, though. I would love that being here in Nashville if they get Tannehill out of here. So, uh, but it's, I, I would feel like if he goes anywhere, it's the Jets just because the Dolphins are getting to it back. Uh, he's not going to the Niners. So, I mean, you look at the spots, it's kind of, kind of how it is. You brought up Tannehill. Let's discuss that. I saw a report the other day that the Jets were willing to offer two picks in the draft. They weren't clear on what round, but it just said two draft picks. And that they were willing to eat Tannehill's entire salary. If you're the Tennessee Titans, you serve them Ryan Tannehill on a silver platter. I look, I would fly him down there in a jet made of gold and candy canes. Like I would do whatever y'all. What, what else? Y'all need anything else? Like I will hand deliver Ryan Tannehill to y'all. I would have taken that deal the minute that last word left his lips. I would have accepted it. Shake hands, look each other in the eyes, yak to hey, let's do it. I mean, that's just, you're not going to play him. You're going to end up cutting him. So why not get two draft picks out of it and not eat the dead cap? No, again, I'm trying to see the downside, and, and there isn't one. I mean, let's be honest. Ryan Tannehill's mid, 100% mid. He was, he was a college-wide receiver. Of course he's mid. Yeah, everybody talks about, oh, man, look, at they wanted Lamar Jackson to be a receiver and wanted Ryan Tannehill to be a quarterback. Wow, what a terrible, what a terrible decision. Chat with Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. You know, NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend, slam dunk contest, three-point contest, and then, you know, you, you'll have the All-Star game. Uh, who is who is your favorite to win the three-point contest? Uh, I'm, they ruined the NBA dunk contest, which ruins all of it. So deep down, honestly, I could care less. But, uh, look, is, is Steph in it? Is Steph shooting in it? If no, he's in it's, it then get, it's it's Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Harrow, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, Dame, Lori Markinen, Julius uh, Randle, and Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah uh, give me Dame all day. Yeah, I'd, either either Dame or Jason Tatum would would yeah, be. Yeah, it's, it's 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 Dame time. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and then you know NBA All Star Game. What what are your what are your thoughts on that matchup? Uh, nobody's going to play defense. Well, it's going to be what seven hundred to six fifty. I, I don't know. Whatever team LeBron's on, like it just the, they ruined the dunk contest, man. Like all the other stuff the NBA's done that I don't agree with, and all that other stuff. But they ruined the dunk contest, man. Like I want to see the best dunkers dunk. That used to be such like a cool thing, and now it's not even. I'm out there watching guys I've never even seen play uh, out there dunking. It just. Uh, it blows my mind, man. It's upsetting. It's depressing. Do you have any thoughts for the XFL that gets underway this weekend? Um, hopefully it goes better than last time. I think it will, though, because whatever The Rock does, it just can't fail. Uh, so I, I like extra football. Now, am I going to be over here just waiting on hands and knees to watch this stuff? No. But if nothing's else on, uh, else on maybe it's an off day in college basketball, I'll click over there and watch it. Jake, what uh, are, are you making any bets this weekend? What are you looking for? Well, you know, right now, college basketball you know, I maybe. Bet Vander, I would definitely bet Vanderbilt to cover against Auburn. I would do that. We never play good up there. But whatever LSU baseball is, the spread for all three games, uh, I've heard from multiple people that it's just an absolute ooza palooza of talent down there, and they can actually oh, play together. And anytime you got guys named Dylan Cruz and Tommy Tanks. 
it's going to go good in baseball. I can just tell you from personal experience. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here for Jake's Takes on a Thursday. Jake, appreciate you as always. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll do it again next week, my friend. All right, man. Sounds good. And there he goes, Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company. You can catch them weekdays on YouTube and at craneandcompany.com. He brought up a good point there. Anytime you've got a player that's nicknamed Tommy Tanks, you're probably in good shape. Just a, just a thought. I mean, he hit 27 home runs as a freshman. Hello. So again, looking at the Genesis Invitational, Tiger Woods sitting at even through 11, and he is playing on the 12th hole. It's a par 4, and in his career, he has played this hole 42 times, and he has a score of 2 over on the hole. He's uh, he's struggling a little bit, missing fairways. Uh, he's only hit three fairways in regulation so far in this tournament, um, so... It's early. Obviously, he, he's only on round one, but uh, Tiger's going to have to he's, he's going to have some work to do to keep himself in the mix. And I was corrected about the, the Tiger Woods statistic. He did finish the Masters last year. I, I was corrected on that. Um, however, he played on one leg, didn't play well. I think he finished 13 over par. Um, but yes, he, he did play four rounds. So I was corrected on that. Um, We'll look at the poll question. We'll talk with Ross Jackson about the New Orleans Saints and so much more on the other side of this timeout right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media Corporation is looking for self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join their team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department, hire, interview, administer, pay, benefits, and more. And in addition, we are looking to add an account executive. Training is available, and if interested, you can send your resume to jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. Delta Media Corporation is an equal opportunity employer. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 517 on your Thursday. Less than an hour to go here in the week for crunch time. Because again, no show tomorrow. LSU baseball first pitch is set for three o'clock which you can hear right here on the game the saints still need a quarterback alvin Kamara is going back to court and the saints are losing a lot of coaches let's talk about it with our guy ross jackson host of the locked on saints podcast ross what's going on buddy how are you hey bud doing great man glad to be here with you appreciate you as always for having me on so the the first question before we get to the the serious saints conversation is uh, how many Mardi Gras parades has Ross Jackson attended you so far? Uh, twelve. I'm keeping count. We got twelve <laughs> down so far, and and I got to be honest, I've done Bacchus, I've done Chewbacca's, and I've done Barkus, and Chewbacca's was easily the best of the three. So was Chewbacca's so the say. dog parade? No, Barkus Barkus was the dog parade. Uh, Chewbacca's is the sci-fi parade that happens over in Bywater, 
That's super dope. It's, all of it's sci-fi. It's great for nerds like me. It was awesome. So there's those. And then I did a bunch of the uptown ones. I was thinking about going to Muses tonight, but we might get some rain, so I might wait for Napoleon to be number 13 tomorrow night. That's fair. Follow-up question with that, Ross. <laughs> we do a foodie poll question on Wednesdays, and it was king cake flavor. So what's Ross Jackson's go-to king cake flavor? Uh, I hope I'm not disappointed by saying this, but I, I'm a traditional guy. I don't really do like any of the fillings or anything like that. I just like the traditional cinnamon sugar type of situation. That's that's usually my go-to. I can appreciate some cream cheese filling, but if if I'm you know if, if somebody's like, hey, we got these three king cakes, you can have whichever one you want. I'm usually taking traditional. That's probably the best overall answer you could have given. <laughs> I tried to cover. I tried to cover a couple of bases there. But, you know, the, the, but traditional is the way to drive it home for me. And then one more Mardi Gras question before we move on. Am I going to see course. Am I gonna see Ross Jackson at Endymion Saturday night? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be right out there. All right. Absolutely. All right. All right I'm let's... going to as many parades as I can this year since I'm back in the city. There's no question. Good for, yeah. good for, good for <laughs> you. Let's, let, let's talk Saints now. You know, Derek Carr gets released by the, the Raiders, and then since then there's been a, a ton of questions about does that benefit the Saints or, or does it hurt them? Because now, you know, you, you have to try to figure out a way to make the cap work in order to sign them to a contract. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? Does this move help the Saints or hurt them? Yeah, I think it, it hurts them, but it certainly doesn't rule them out. So it's not a situation where it kind of like ends the conversation or anything like that, but it certainly makes things a little bit trickier. And, and the three big reasons that I think that it hurts them is that, one, it invites additional competition, right? You're going to have less competition in the trade market than you're going to have on the open market because, you know, teams aren't maybe a team that wasn't willing to trade a pick is willing to go out there and still spend the money that they would have spent anyway in that trade, but now they don't have to give up, you know, an asset to do that. So that's number one. Number two is that then that also means that you don't know the contract that you're working with anymore. You know, the Saints, if they would have traded for Derek Carr, they would have picked him up on the contract that they already had. They would have known that $40.4 million just had to be guaranteed over the next two years, and they would have had a plan in terms of how to restructure that. In fact, they did. That was actually one of the hang-ups in the trade was that they wanted to be able to restructure the contract. Carr didn't necessarily want to do that, so he gets to go to the open market now and kind of dictate his contract terms. And then the third part that attaches to that for the Saints is that because of the fact that there's a new contract that would have to be agreed upon. The Saints don't drive that car, no, no pun intended, any longer. They're not in a situation where they know what the contract is when they come in. Now they're having to compete with other teams that might be offering contracts and potentially have to compete and say, okay, well, we'll offer you this since they're offering you that. So they don't get to dictate the contract terms any longer. So say, let, let's say Derek Carr goes elsewhere and does not play mm-hmm. in New Orleans. What's the best-case scenario for the Saints quarterback? Uh, best case scenario is that you hope that Aaron Rodgers or uh, Lamar Jackson becomes available and then you make a move for one of those guys. But, you know, because we don't know whether or not that's going to be an actual option for them, we'll stick to what's realistic. You know, the thing that makes it a little bit tough is that Derek Carr is the best option that's available out on free agency at this moment, right? Because Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers could become available, but they won't be free agents. So the tier below Derek Carr is really kind of a third tier of quarterbacks. It's Jimmy Garoppolo, it's Sam Darnold, it's Baker Mayfield. It's kind of that contingent ugh, uh, ugh, of players. Ugh. And exactly. And so if that's the case, what's better, right? What's better? A Baker Mayfield in his first year in your system or an Andy Dalton in a second year in this system with an offense that's actually built for him as opposed to running an offense that was built for Jameis Winston? 
or a third year of Jameis Winston or turning it over to Taysom Hill. I would argue that any of the three latter options are probably a better option for the team than signing a Sam Darnold, a Jimmy Garoppolo, or a Baker Mayfield. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit better, but is it enough of a needle mover for you that you don't then just go with the guys that are familiar with your system and that you're familiar with and then draft a young quarterback to develop behind someone that knows your system. So I would say that the most likely scenario, in addition to maybe best-case scenario, if you don't get Derek Carr, is to bring back Andy Dalton or patch things up with Jameis Winston or you know give Taysom Hill an actual run at quarterback and draft a young guy like a Hendon Hooker, for instance, in the second round behind him. Thank you. Somebody with the vision. Bring back Andy <laughs> Dalton for one more year. Draft Hendon Hooker. Tell him to watch and learn, although I don't know how much you're going to learn from Andy Dalton. And then hand him the keys in 2024. Yeah, and the reality is that you might not be running the same system in 2024 that you're running in 2023, but he still learns working with a veteran quarterback you know, one one way or another. And Hendon Hooker has enough innate ability that it attracts an offensive coordinator or it attracts uh, an offensive head coach if the Saints were to make a change there going into 2024, if they would need to. And so I do think that like investing in a young rookie quarterback makes a ton of sense because it makes your organization a little bit more of a destination for a potential coaching staff change that you're ready for that as well. Obviously, you don't plan for a coaching staff change in 2023 for 2024. You don't try to like speak that into existence as the organization or anything like that. But if you're looking at a way to potentially like maximize your future, you want a young quarterback anyway. So with your staff or without your staff, having a young quarterback on the roster has a lot of benefit. Chatting with Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints. Today the news came out that Alvin Kamara, along with three others, were indicted in the nightclub battery case from, from Las Vegas last year. You know, we, we kind of went through this song and dance last year where the court case kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And now they're looking to move forward with it with a date set for, for March 2nd. Where do you see this going? Does the league hand down a punishment? What are your thoughts? The league would hand down a punishment if that, uh, once that sort of, you know, once the trial and the, the, the legal proceedings are finished, the, the league's not going to step in early. And the reason why the league doesn't step in early, by the way, is because if the league comes in and says, okay, Alvin Kamara is suspended for six games because of, you know, the code of, and violating the NFL's code of conduct policy, then basically what the NFL is telling the court is, we believe that he should be punished. And so that ends up leveraging a little bit against, or if they decide that there's going to be no punishment, then it leverages in favor of Alvin Kamara in a way that the NFL doesn't want to get involved. So they'll wait for the legal, the legal situation to completely, um, you know, sub, you know to, to finish up, just like what happened with Marshawn Lattimore a few years ago, and then hand down a punishment or choose not to hand down a punishment. So I, I would say, you know, March 2nd is now that next big court date. B- him being indicted means that he is, you know, officially, you know, being charged with, uh, you know, those crimes in that way or, or whatever, you know, those charges are. And then so now they have to figure out sort of what the, what the trial says. So that will happen first. And then the NFL from that information will then, you know, hand down whatever type of uh, discipline they do or don't want to hand down, depending upon the verdict of that trial. So if this wraps up March 2nd, then it finally kind of brings a finality to all of this and puts the uh, NFL in a situation where they can hand down that discipline, and then we would know going into the beginning of the 2023 season. What I will say is that this is basically how we expected things to go. 
once everything got continued beyond, beyond, beyond uh, the 2022 NFL season, we knew that the offseason of 2023, this is going to be the moment where, you know, the courts move forward, the legal process moves forward, and then the NFL would, would make its motions after that. So this is sort of operating exactly as we expected at this point. Continuing with the running back discussion, whether Kamara gets suspended or not, I'm sure the Saints are going to be looking to add more pieces to that position because you're going to be moving on from Mark Ingram. Eno Benjamin could be somebody that could be a valuable piece for them, but we still don't know. You're not going to want to mm-hmm. lean on David Johnson either way. So you could go draft a guy probably later, but who do you who do you see the Saints could be targeting for free agent running backs? Could it be like a Rashad Penny maybe on a solid deal? I mean, market price on average is about six with him, or do you think maybe going a little lower and finding somebody like maybe Miles Sanders – hits there maybe you look for a Durance Johnson like who are you who are you looking at with running backs if you're the same you, you nailed it right off the top for me for me it's Rashad Penny I mean they got an up close and personal look at what he could do in 2022 here in the Superdome now I know he got injured during that that's a big part of the evaluation with him is his injury history uh but you know if you're able to pull your know, Rashad Penny I also like a Miles Sanders in that situation if you can coerce a Boston Scott to return to Louisiana you know those types of things <laughs> I can absolutely sue the Saints uh, going out and, and looking for that kind of back. But I do think that the draft becomes really important for them uh, here, too. They've tried to go the route of undrafted free agents here over the course of the past couple of years. Tony Jones Jr., Abram Smith, either of those guys worked out. And so they now get to walk into this NFL draft that has really quality running backs rounds, you know, two, three, four, five, six, and find somebody that they're going to be able to uh, get into the fold just like they did with Alvin Kamara. And that can you know, potentially start off the season as a starting running back in place of Alvin Kamara, but then you know, operate with him in tandem uh, as the season goes along. So that's a really good position for them to be. Some of the names that I really like in the draft, of course, Tulane's Tajay Spears is going to live at the top of that list. Uh, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama is also near the top of that list, who's basically a little Alvin Kamara. So if you end up getting like a Rashad Penny, who's really good between the tackles, and you want somebody to mix in, you know, in the zone run scheme, getting in space, things like that. You know, Benjamin could be that guy for you. Jameer Gibbs is absolutely that guy. So that's a good space that they can go as well. And then I'll just mention um, another player that I really like out of Pitt. Uh, his name is um, uh, Israel Abanacanda is his name. And really, really good young running back, super strong, uh, you know, lower body, keeps him out of trouble, breaks a lot of tackles, does all the things that he needs to do. So those are a couple of the names amongst others, Roshan Johnson's, these other guys that are out there as well that could bring a lot to uh, the New Orleans Saints in 2023. One final question for you, Ross, looking at, at the Saints cap situation, $60 million over uh, heading into this offseason. You've already restructured Marcus May. You're working to restructure Ryan Ramshack. Who else could kind of be on that list of guys that Mickey Loomis is looking to to restructure to get that cap number done? Um, everybody. <laughs> everybody got a restructurable contract right now when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, it, interestingly, they go into this offseason $60 million over the salary cap, but have about $150 million that they could free up through, through restructuring contracts. So there's no end in terms of the amount of moves that the Saints can make. Now they're not going to make that many moves because they would be absolutely screwed moving forward after that, but they you know, will have a lot of options. So the top names to watch out for are like Eric McCoy, the New Orleans Saints Center. They just signed him to a new contract. They stashed away $10 million of uh, roster bonus money in his uh, contract in 2023. That was always going to be restructured, so look for them to move that. That will quickly save them $8 million. 
They can restructure Cam Jordan's contract, which would be his base salary as well as his uh, his roster bonus. That would save them, you know, double digit millions of dollars, just like the Ryan Ramchek restructure likely will. Alvin Kamara is another one. Tyron Matthews, another one. So there's a lot of Andrus Pete. There's a lot of different guys that they can restructure and continue to make that money, and they can do that uh, pretty quickly, pretty easily. And they don't have to do a ton to get like thirty, forty million dollars under the salary cap. That's about what I would expect for them to uh, to push, so that they could get that quarterback contract and then also build around that quarterback in twenty twenty three. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints, joining us here on Crunch Time. Ross, thanks for taking the time as always, my friend. Have a great Mardi Gras weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Stay safe. And there he goes, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints. We'll take a time out. We'll talk McNeese. Preview the cow, well, talk cowgirls as they're currently playing in the second quarter right now. Preview the cowboys, and we'll also talk some raging Cajuns next. This is crunch time on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 5.36 here on this Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Wide open for the rest of the show if you want to get your thoughts in on the top stories in sports. McNeese, LSU, the Cajuns, the Saints, whatever it may be. Once again, 337-706-0111. Speaking of McNeese, with 459 left to go in the first half, McNeese leads Incarnate Word 27-26. to Paris Mullins leads the way with nine points for the Cowgirls on four of five shooting, while Georgia Elliott leads the Cardinals in points and rebounds with 12 points and five boards, respectively. The freshman point guard from Hickory Creek, Texas, leading the way for Incarnate Word. Once again, 459 left in the second Cowgirls playing now. The Cowboys will play the Cardinals shortly after the conclusion of this game, roughly about 7.30 inside the Legacy Center in Lake Charles. Also tonight, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. The women are in Monroe to play the Lady Warhawks, while the men will be in the friendly confines of the Cajun Dome tonight to take on ULM. Cajuns looking to get back on the winning track after dropping their last two games on the road. They've beaten the Warhawks once already this year by 13 points inside of Fant Ewing Coliseum up in Monroe. And, you know, you look at the Cajuns, they're sitting in second place in the Sun Belt. You really can't afford to lose another one. Because you're you're already kind of behind the eight ball a little bit here if, if you're Louisiana. And, again, you just really can't afford to fall any farther than you already have, especially since if you want to win the regular season title, you're going to have to hope that Southern Miss loses two games and that you win out. So now, when you look at Southern Miss's Final Four in their schedule, they're on the road at South Alabama tonight. South Alabama's a pretty good team. They're not great, but they're good. They're a team that could upset Southern Miss on a good night. And then you're going to go back to Reed Green Coliseum to host Georgia Southern. Now, Georgia Southern is a good team. 
If anybody's going to upset Southern Miss at home, I do believe that it could be Georgia Southern. And then Southern Miss is going to finish the season on the road at Old Dominion, which is a game that they could drop, and at Texas State, which is another game that they can drop. So you look at the Final Four for the Eagles, nothing is safe. Nothing's guaranteed. Now, is it likely that they're going to drop two in those four games? No, probably not. Southern Miss is a, a damn good basketball team, and they're just, they're not going to, they're more than likely not going to drop two of the last four. But it's college basketball. Anything can happen. Bob Marlin said earlier this week college basketball is crazy. I mean, you watched Northwestern this week beat number one Purdue on Sunday, and then they turned around Tuesday night and beat number 14 Indiana. You know, an unranked team upsets back-to-back top 25 teams, including on Sunday when you upset Purdue, they were number one. You never know what's going to happen in college basketball. Alabama goes up to number one, Tennessee knocks them down last night. You just, you never know. So if I'm the Cajuns, you take care of your business, win at home. You have three of the final four at home. Take care of business there. Hopefully you steal a win this Saturday on the road in Harrisonburg when you play James Madison. And you hope that, that Southern Miss drops too because then then things get interesting. Now, do you need the regular season championship to make the NCAA tournament? No, you don't. You're only going to make the NCAA tournament if you win the conference tournament. However, what a regular season championship does for you is if you get upset in the conference tournament, you're still guaranteed an NIT spot which would be the first postseason appearance that the Cajuns have seen since 2018 when they went to the NIT and lost to LSU. So at this point, I think any postseason appearance for, for this basketball team would be considered a success. So the goal is to make it to the NCAA tournament, but the NIT is a very, very close consolation prize. So Cajuns play tonight at 7.30 inside the Cajun Dome, while the women will play in Monroe starting at 6.30 update you once again on the Genesis Invitational. Tiger Woods still on the course. So far he has played 13 holes and he is sitting around even par yet again. Um, you know, Tiger's he's at one over now through 12, so he's he's played 13, tied for 80th in the tournament thus far. Uh, just a, a really slow start for, for Tiger. He birdied number one, and then since then has just kind of teetered back and forth between one under, even, one over, back to even. It, it, it's been one of those days, but you know, at, at this point in the tournament, or, or really at this point, all you're trying to do is stay around. And, and I think Tiger's doing a nice job of that so far. Uh, tomorrow, though, I think he's going to have to make up a little bit of ground because obviously you want to make the cut. That's the first goal, but you also don't want to be hovering near that cut line. So if I'm Tiger Woods, if you finish today one over, try to get to maybe two, three under tomorrow. The strat has to be survive and advance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can't. You don't have to worry about being near the top. You don't have to be up there like four under five under Correct. like you're seeing like john ron and john rom and others if you can just like survive and just get into the cut and keep doing that every day just survive in advance man he, can, he can make it through the whole weekend 
Max Homa's been having a, a nice stretch over the last couple tournaments. He's been nuts. I mean, seven under in round one at Riviera. He only had one bird, one bogey. He hit eight, eight birdies today in round one, including five on the front nine. Very impressive stuff from Max Homa today. Uh, he will go into round two with the lead, which means he will start late afternoon tomorrow in round number two. Tiger will get the early start since he had a late start today. I think his group will tee off about 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, so if you're following Tiger and you want to we want to catch his round about 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning, I believe, is, is his tee time. Damn, that's about my bedtime. Yeah, and the, the the sad thing is, ladies and gentlemen, is he's he's not kidding. I'm not I'm not exaggerating that. No, <laughs> I don't. I I try to go to bed at like one thirty two o'clock. Mm. I have gotten texts from you at like four a.m. before. Well, that's because sometimes here's the thing with that though. Sometimes I'll it, like it almost happened last night. I kind of dozed off and had a nap, but thankfully. I made sure to set an alarm like, all right, only let this be like 15 minutes. So then I was awake till about three. Like sometimes that happens where I'll get home from work and I'll be like, man, I'm tired. So I end up like just laying in my bed and I fall asleep. And then I wake back up at 12 and I'm like, man, that was a three hour nap. And then I stay up till about four because now I'm energetic for the next four hours. Right. So sometimes that happens. So I was halfway right. Tiger's teeing off at 730 Mm -hmm. in California. Oh, nice. So it'll be 9.30 here. So that's a lot better for me. Because I'm a late sleeper. Try to be, at least. I try to be, at least. Sometimes, you know, 6.30 and I'm wide awake and I don't understand it. Um, And then there's days where it's 9.30 and I can't seem to open my eyes. And, you know, life's just grand at that point. But... So Tigers teeing off with Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas yet again, 1024 Eastern, 924 Central tomorrow in round two of the Genesis Invitational. James, you know what else happens tonight? You know what else is happening tonight? LSU women's basketball is hosting Ole Miss in the PMAC. Number five, LSU, sitting at 23-1. and one. They're looking to get back in the win column after falling to South Carolina in Columbia over the weekend. LSU was a 10-point favorite in this contest with an over-under of 133.5. Now, you look at Ole Miss. They're 20-5. They're 9-3 in the SEC. They've won four of their last five. Their one loss coming at a 65-51 defeat at the hands of Tennessee, who is a good program. Very historic, but they've they've been back on the upswing the last couple of years. Um, LSU was able to take them down 76 to 68 just 3 days before they bounced back and beat Ole Miss. LSU, you know, you you look at this game and obviously they weren't favored to beat South Carolina. So I don't know how down on themselves they're going to be, but they're going to be desperate to get back in the win column. I think this was a reality check. You think? I, th- I think that loss to South Carolina was a reality check because we had heard from Kim Mulkey earlier in the week. She said that this was a real test to kind of see, like, okay, where where are we at right now? And after watching that game, South Carolina made eight of their first nine shots to begin the game. 
starting off with an 18 to two run. It, it was just a tough start, and they were they were able to cut it close a little bit here and there throughout the game. But overall, you could just tell South Carolina completely outmatched LSU. So to me, that was a good parameter to see. Like, okay, we're at this point. We're not where we thought we were. I guess you could say, but th- this was a good, like, kind of check mark almost. Like, let this is a reality check. This is how we. This is where we know we are right now. And to me, even though Ole Miss, you look at their last two wins, beating Florida, sixty-eight forty-two, and then beating Kentucky seventy-four to fifty-two, having some nice wins. I still feel like this is kind of that was a reality check. You're like, okay, we. It, it's all. It also takes the pressure off because now you don't have to worry about like. Oh, are we going to be able to keep our win streak alive? Now you don't have to worry about that. That's you don't have to worry about that pressure of can we go twenty five in a row, twenty six in a row, twenty seven in a row. You getting that out the way, you still play a good Ole Miss squad. But to me, this is where at home you come back to the PMAC. You feel good. You got that loss out the way. You don't have the pressure anymore. You're. I feel like they can win tonight. And win probably pretty solidly. I feel like this could be a ten point win for LSU. I'm in, I'm I'm intrigued in the fact that you view that game as a reality check. Do you, do you mean reality check as in LSU was high on themselves and they needed to come back to earth? Yeah, like may, like maybe it was a like uh, I mean I'd, you you look at yourself. You're 23 and 0. You're going against a 24 and 0 South Carolina squad. You even though you're undefeated, you're still only number three. When you feel like you should have been number two, you could have been riding into it. Like, I mean, we're on the road. This is going to be tough, but I still feel like we can still get it done and give South Carolina their first L of the season. And then you kind of get smacked around a little bit. It was, to me, it's a reality check. Like, okay, we we took our L. We got out the way. Now we don't have the pressure anymore. Like, there's always a bright spot to it. We still, still a really good season, 23 and one. You're going to play a good 20 and five Rebel squad. But this time it's going to be at home. You get your fans there. I feel like this is a nice bounce back for them tonight. You see, I I, I agree with you to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but but I think it's I, I think Sunday was more of kind of like Kim Mulkey said. You know, there's obviously there, there's levels to this, and, and programs weren't built in a day. She knows that they aren't on South Carolina's level, so they use Sunday's game as an opportunity to see where they're at and, and how much work they still need to do to get to that level where South Carolina is. I don't know. I don't view it as much as a reality check as, as I think, as I feel it as a good litmus test to see where they are as a program. I just think like with, with Kim Mulkey and the coaches, it was a test, but then for the players, it was like, okay, you know what I mean? Like there, there was a little bit of, of a difference and I feel yeah. like both things are correct. I could, I could see that. I could see that. Um, I, I don't disagree with that, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll look at some more, We'll take a time out here, and when we come back, we will talk All-Star Weekend, our picks for the game, three-point contest, and slam dunk contest, and James Mesh is going to give you his Daytona 500 champion when we return here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The NASCAR season kicks off Sunday with the great American race. Can Bubba Wallace break through and finally take the checkered flag? Or will Kevin Harvick win it for the second time? Tune in Sunday to find out. Pre-race coverage beginning at 1230. And you can listen to all the action right here on the game. 
from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, James, a couple minutes left in today's show. We talked about the participants for the three-point contest with Jake Crane earlier. You, I'm, I'm assuming you're going with your boy Jason Tatum. Yeah, how can I not? I mean, yeah, he's I been shooting pretty well. There's a lot of good competition in there, though. I mean, you got Donovan Mitchell shooting pretty well. or I'm sorry, Damian Lillard's in there. Buddy Heald's there. Tyler Hero, yeah. don't sleep on him. I mean, there's a lot of good guys that obviously shoot the ball really well, but how could I go against my guy Jason Tatum? I'm actually going to go with Jason Tatum as well. Oh, so, look at you. So that's uh, either him or Dame. I think those are two pretty obvious picks. Uh, slam dunk contest. So let's – we obviously don't have time to get too far into it, but Kenyon Martin Jr., Mac McClung, Jericho Sims, whoever that guy is, and Trey Murphy. Murphy? <laughs> yeah. Trey Murphy's a dunker? I told you. I told you he's been doing a lot of slam dunks. I mean, dunks. I, I've seen him throw down a couple, but like enough to be in a dunk contest. Hey, he's throwing some. Hey, he's throwing down some vicious slams. Let me tell give, you. Give me TM three. I'm going. I was going with Trey as well. Give me, give me TM three. Who wins but, the Austin? But I swear, if I see Mac McClunk win, oh bro, I mean, he better throw out some you, good stuff. Would you be surprised? Better throw down some nasty stuff. All star game, Giannis or LeBron? Who wins? I'm going with Giannis. And who wins? The Daytona 500. I think you may have the same pick as me, but dude finished top 10 in 20 of his 36 races last year. He had he finished top 5 in, tw- Don't in 12 do it to of me. them. Don't do it to me. He won 5 of them last Don't year. Don't do it to me. I'm going with Chase Elliott. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm not. Oh. But I'm, I'm glad you are. He struggles in super speedways. He always does. Uh, I think he has a good race. I don't think he wins it. I'd love if he does. Because mm-hmm. um, you're a big Chase Elliott guy. He's my favorite driver. Well, of this era, at least. Yeah. Bubble Wallace. You're going he with breaks, Bub? He breaks through. He's finished second twice. Uh, he, he breaks through and finally wins it this time. I want to thank our guests today, Chris Blair, Jake Crane, and Ross Jackson. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have a hell of a Mardi Gras weekend, and we'll be back on Monday here, same time, same station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles.